If you have your Bibles for a few moments tonight, take you to a very familiar portion of Scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew, the 26th chapter. And I will begin reading in verse number 36. Matthew 26 and verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and said, and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto them, Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went again, he went away again the second time, and he prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it. Thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Verse 46, he said, Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. I want to use this setting tonight for a few moments and talk to you about how to face life's most difficult test. How to face life's most difficult test. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Everybody say, Amen. All right. God bless you. You may be seated. Certainly it would be an understatement for me to tell you that these are trying times. I don't know very many people that are not facing some extremely challenging situations. I don't know anybody that really has a trouble-free life. I think all of us have burdens to bear, but there are some troubles and difficulties that people are facing tonight that are beyond description. And they are certainly nothing that we would have anticipated uh, at this particular stage in our life. I think, to me, life's most difficult task is to try and understand and make sense of the whys 
of life. Understanding the dark things in life is difficult because darkness brings with it its own set of problems. And I have lived long enough to know that there are some questions that there seems to be no answer for. I used to think when I was younger that when people came to me and asked me questions, I ought to give them an answer. And I tried. God forbid that they would follow through with some of the things I probably told them to do, but there was a time in life in my younger years that I I thought there was an answer to everybody's problem. But I've lived long enough to find out that there are some things that you cannot give an answer for. There are some things that there is no reasonable explanation for. There are some things that you just have to live through to understand their significance. There are, as Jesus even said, moments in life when we cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Sometimes life's sorest tests come from the things that we want the most and the things that we cherish the most in life. We want the will of God. I certainly do. I want God's will in my life more than I want anything else. I want to be used of God. Anybody here tonight want to be used of God? The trouble begins... When God answers that prayer, when God begins to work out the process of bringing his will to pass in my life, that's when life gets tested. Because the way that God uses to bring about his purpose in my life does not always align with what I thought in my mind. I thought God would do this and God did it that way. And many times, the very things that I pray for and the things that I ask God to do in my life, I want the blessing, but I don't like the way that he brings that blessing into my life. I want his favor and I want his will, but I don't like the way that God often chooses to bring about fulfilling his divine purpose. We don't want the way that things go or happen in life, but more often than not, that's part of the process of bringing me to where God wants me to be. Now, does all of the things that happen in life fall into that category? No, but many of them do. But this I do know, that all things work together for the good to them who are the called according to his purpose. So whether it's part of God's plan or whether it was part of the devil's plan, God can make it all work for my good if I will keep my focus and I will keep my faith in him and him alone. Many have asked the question, 
Why did this happen like this? And some of you have asked, why did it happen now in my life? Why, why are these things going on now? Why are they happening at this point? Certainly all of us need a faith that can face life's toughest test and its biggest trials. And I believe that there is such a faith to be had. There is a tremendous message to me in this passage of scripture that we read from tonight and I I hope I can bring something out of it that will help you because it has ministered to me over the last few days and hours there's a tremendous word that can be understood and received when you see how Jesus faced his troubles Certainly we cannot compare our struggles with what he went through in that night and what he would go through in the next few hours, but I certainly can draw strength and encouragement from how he faced it, how he entered in and how he came out. And when you see the attitude and the spirit in which he faced those things. There's something that comes into my spirit that lifts me and said, you know what? He is your example, and if he could do it, you can face whatever it is that's testing you tonight, and you can overcome it rather than it overcoming you. What I'm trying to preach about tonight is you taking control of life rather than life controlling you. And so we need to look at how he, he came and went. We see how he entered the Garden of Gethsemane, and certainly I can relate to the heaviness with which he entered. When you foresee or you can foreknow what is coming down the road, there is a certain deal of trepidation and hesitation that comes to anybody's heart. And certainly when we see him in the unfolding moments in the Garden of Gethsemane, we can understand the reason of his heaviness. What he is facing is unimaginable. What he is about to endure, no man can comprehend. What he is about to see transpire among his own disciples and followers and among those that he had ministered to is enough to shake all of heaven and earth. And I can relate to it. I relate to the wrestling that went on in that, in that garden that night. I relate to the struggle that he had with what was facing him, and I relate to how he felt there, needing some support, needing somebody to stand with him, needing somebody to pray with him. Is there anybody here tonight that understands that there are times in life when it's good to know that you've got somebody praying with you, that you've got somebody praying for you, that somebody is helping you, in the situation. 
And yet we know very well that they really weren't praying like they ought to have prayed. They were actually sleeping. And so it was no cakewalk for him through all of this. In that garden, like no other picture, we see the intense struggle with the plan and the purpose of God for his life. But instead of him giving in to his problem, he decided to give the world an answer to how to face problems. Instead of him being overwhelmed by what was before him, he decided that if this is going to do anything, it's going to make me what I have come to do. It's going to fulfill the purpose of God. And so I want to pay attention to what happened in that garden. And more than anything, I want to pay attention to how he left that garden. Because how he entered that garden, how he left that garden were two different things. He came in heavy. He came in burdened. He came in wearied. He came in fretful. He came in anxious because the word described to us his attempt to try to wake his disciples up and make them realize what was going on. But they were so stupefied by their own ignorance, they couldn't comprehend what he was saying. But listen to me tonight. Pay attention for just a moment. When he left that garden, he left in a complete different state of mind than the one in which he came. When he rose up from that prayer meeting, he turned to face an enemy that thought it was going to defeat him. But he said, I've got news for you. I've already won the victory. And I've already got the answer. And when he rose up from that garden to leave, he left in a spirit and an attitude that enabled him to face everything that was coming in the next few hours. The betrayal, the lies, the beating, the cursing, the denials, all of that, the the very repudiation of who he was, what he gained in that garden experience empowered him to go through those next few hours that were unthinkable. Hours of tragedy and pain. What I want to pay attention to is how he left the garden. And it just, when I read this text, it just got hold of me. I don't know, maybe you won't get one thing out of it, but when I read those words again, and I have read this portion of scripture probably as much or more than any other passage in the New Testament. But when I see how he entered, and I see the struggles that went on there, and I see the agony of those hours, and then I see him get up and square his shoulders and turn to his disciples with sleep in their eyes, and he gives a command. He said, Arise. Get up. It's time to go. He's not coming out of that garden with his shoulders slumped over, worried about how the future's going to turn out. He already knows how the future's going to turn out because something was won in that prayer meeting and something was wrestled down in that dark moment that forever gave him the courage to rise up and say, bring it on. I'm not looking for trouble, but if trouble's coming my way, I'm ready to face 
any kind of trouble that's coming down the pike. Oh, God have mercy. How I need to connect to what he found there. Because that is what saw him through the dark hours that were before him. What he found there in that garden armed him with what he would need to see him through all of the pain and the suffering and the agony of the next few hours. If I could preach to anybody here tonight, I would come to tell you that if you would listen and you would look again to the Word of God, I don't care what kind of trouble you're going through and I don't care what you're facing, you can find an answer and you can rise up from your pew tonight and you can square your shoulders and say, you know what, it's time to be going, it's time to be living, it's time to be moving, not with fear, not in doubt, not in worry, not wondering what's going to happen, but knowing down in your heart, it's settled. I've got God's hand on my life. I've got His purpose in my heart. And nothing can stop me from fulfilling God's purpose in my life. Amen. I love the attitude that He left the garden with. He may have come in heavy, but He didn't leave that way. Amen. He may have come in burdened, but he didn't leave that way. I don't hear one sound of burden or woe or why. I don't hear one sound of fear or one sound of doubt coming from his words. But I feel confidence. I feel this assurance. I feel this faith that says, come on, guys. It's time to get up and go face what we are going to have to face. It's time to go on into the battle. It's time to take up our arms and go to war. Amen. It's time to quit being afraid. Afraid, are are we going to make it or not? Brother Hughes, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Yes, you are. You're going to make it. And somehow God's going to help you see something tonight that's going to put you back on your feet and make you square your shoulders and say, bring it on, devil, bring it on. I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not asking for the devil to show his head up, but you just go ahead and show up if you want to because I've already settled some things in my heart and I've already settled some things in my mind and my spirit and I know God's love for me is greater than your hate for me and I know God's purpose for my life is greater than your plan to destroy my life and God's purpose is going to trump the devil's plan and so I choose to live on God's purpose, not from the fear of what might happen to my life. Amen. I'm talking about what you need to do and how you need to face life's most difficult times. It's with an attitude of assurance. It's with the spirit of confidence. Heaviness is something that we all go through at some point or life. But we do not live in that spirit of heaviness. I have exchanged the garment of heaviness for the spirit of praise. Amen. Because heaviness will not produce in my life what praise can. Amen. Heaviness will not produce in my life what fear would try to produce. Amen. 
produce in me, God, what you want to make me a better. Let it produce something in me that will make me better. And that's exactly what he did. He didn't wait to be taken. I love this. He didn't sit around waiting for the devil to show up. He took it to the devil. He just stood up and said, come on, guys, it's time to get up and go. You know what needs to happen to some of you? Some of you need to quit cowing down to everything bad that's going on and square your shoulder and say, you know what? I am still a child of God. I am still bought by His blood. I am still called by His name. And I am not waiting on something to happen. I'm going to get up and go make something happen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. He rose up and he went and faced it. There's no cowardice there. Whatever fear had been there is now swallowed up in faith. Confidence. There was a confidence in him that would take him through everything that was before him. Amen. And instead of letting that paralyze him, he was empowered by that garden experience. And he made the best of it by letting it make the best of him. Amen. Garden experiences are never easy to go through, but they can make us what we need to be. The Bible said he was made perfect by the things that he suffered. That means suffering is what brought out of him the greatest things that were needed by humanity. And the greatest things in your life are going to be brought out of the suffering that you're going through right now. Many times in life, folks, the old adage is still true. Where there is no pain, there is no gain. Amen. So quit sitting in fear and rise up in faith. He came with a burden, but he left with a confidence. Arise and let us be going. Let's go to meet betrayal. Let's go to meet rejection. Let's go to meet accusation. Let's go to meet the cross. It doesn't matter what's out there, whatever it is that's looming in the darkness that you're afraid of. If you get the right answer in the garden, it doesn't matter what's out there. You have the confidence and the courage to square your shoulders and say, come on, life, bring it on. I'm ready to face whatever is out there. I'm ready to face it. Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. When you learn the right things in the garden, you can turn to face any problem that life can bring you. And these are the things that God gave me to give you. Number one, Jesus accepted the reality of what is. He accepted the reality of what is, not what he would have liked it to be. He wanted his disciples to pray, but they didn't. He wanted some support, but he didn't get it. He wanted somebody to say, it's going to be all right. We're going to make this through together, but he didn't get it. But you know what? Life can get hung up there because we don't get what we want. 
and what we feel like we deserve or we don't get the support that we're looking for. And Jesus realized, you know what, whether anybody supports me or not, this is not going to defeat me. It's not going to destroy me. And I'm not stopping here because I wasn't born for this. I was born for that cross. I was born to be the liberator of the world. And I'm not dying in a garden somewhere. I'm not dying under a burden of what is. Things are not the way I want them to be. People are not responding to me the way I want them to. People don't love me like I want them to love me. They don't appreciate me like I need to be appreciated. Jesus just simply realized that some things you just have to accept as they are and get up and live anyway. Oh, that's not. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. We don't like that kind. That's not conventional wisdom. Brother Hughes, you're not supposed to preach like that. You're supposed to tell me everything's going to work out the way I want it to work out. You're supposed to tell me that as long as I live a good life, God's going to make sure that he knocks all the bumps out of life and I just cruise through life without any bobble or shaking. And the fact is, in my life, there's been so many ups and downs and so many twists and turns and so many cliffs I could have gone over that if I had asked God to begin with, is that really the road you're going to take me on? I would have said, no, God, I don't think so. But God said, no, you you don't need to worry about that. I've got that all under control. You need to learn to live with what is. Amen. Amen. It's not what I want, but it is what it is. But he didn't let what is stop him from what was going to be. Hmm. Huh. Praise God. I don't need to, I need to go on to my second point. The second thing is that he prayed. And you listen to me tonight. You don't hear anything else this Simple preacher has to say, you better listen to me. You are not going to face life's most difficult troubles without the power of prayer working in your life. And if you're not praying, you know what? Bless God, I love Brother Kilgore, but one thing used to irritate me the most about him, when you would come to him with a problem, the first thing he would ask you is, have you prayed about it? And sometimes people just, you know, flat out lie to him. Yeah, I prayed about it. But what he's trying to tell you is, I don't care what it is. You're not going to get out of the garden and face what's before the garden and after the garden. You're not going to face what tomorrow's going to bring to you until you learn how to get on your knees and get in touch with God and wrestle some things down and into your spirit that will take you through those things. I can't counsel that into you. There's no psychologist that can give you that kind of positive vibe to make you understand. You're going to have to get on your knees. And sometimes you have to stay on those knees longer than you thought until you wrestle down whatever it is that's opposing and trying to destroy you. And when you do, you can get up and walk out of that garden with your shoulders squared and with a clear look in your eye and not one fear in your heart and say, bring it on, devil, bring it on. Trouble? I love what Jesus said. In, in just a few moments when they came to the garden 
And Judas brought the soldiers. He said, this is your hour, speaking of the devil. This is your hour, but you don't have anything in me. You're not going to be able to find one thing in me in which you can identify. There's not one area of my life that you're going to find a crevice or a crease in where you can work your evil work. I've already worked all that out. I've already taken care. It's not going to happen. Amen. Praise God. When you spend time in prayer, it can change the way you perceive the problems that you are about to face. Amen. When you spend time in prayer, it will change your attitude about the problems that are before you. But if you don't pray... You're never going to find a clear resolution to what's before you. Everybody say pray. Say I have got to pray. Amen. When you spend time in prayer, it can change the way you perceive the problems that are before you. And instead of problems, when you pray, you begin to see purpose. A plan. God had something he needed to work out in me. And so he had to take me down this road. And then there was this thing that God, I told him I wanted his will in my life. And I prayed for God's will to be done. And so he said, all right, for me to do that, I'm going to have to take you down this path. But when you pray, you forget about your problems and you realize there's a purpose And instead of depressed, you leave impressed that God has his hand on you. And God is with me. And if God is with me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. When you don't spend enough time in the place of prayer, your problems will always be bigger than God's purpose. Amen. But he prayed, and he, when he got through praying, those droopy shoulders were squared. Amen. They tell me, I don't know, I've never been there, but they say that in, in Italy, in one of the museums, there is a statue of uh, one of the, the, the great artists, and they say there is such a regalness about it that it has been observed that when people walk into that room, And they start looking at that statue. No matter how they come in, they said inevitably people start to stand straighter and they square their shoulders as if to reflect what they're seeing in in that image. The dignity of humanity. The beauty of God's creation. And they may have come in stoop-shouldered, mully-grubs and mouthing off, but they said it's inevitable You can watch as they come through, and the longer they look at that image, the square their shoulders become and the straighter they stand. Maybe that's what happens when we pray, is the longer we stay in prayer, the more we see his image, and the more it empowers us to square our shoulders and say, you know what, I'm created in his image. 
And he made me in his likeness. And so whatever I'm going through, he already knows about it. And he knows what to do to help me get through it. And so instead of me being afraid and cowardly and laying down and dying, I decide I'm going to square my shoulders and live. Amen. I'm just going to stand up and I'm going to go face it. I'm going to deal with it. Amen. Uh, That's all right. When you begin with prayer, you can leave with power. And until you learn the value of prayer for your life, you will always be at the mercy of your circumstances. Until you learn the power of prayer, you will always be a victim of life. You will always be at the whim of people's feelings and their moods. Love me or hate me, I'm still going to serve God. Clap for me or pat me on the back or not, I'm still going to worship God. Amen. Because I know that God has a purpose for my life. And when you learn to pray, you will rise up with power that will enable you to face anything that is before you. But if you don't pray, God help you. Amen. I think we all need power to face what is before us. So pray and keep praying. And sometimes I've found that my prayer has to be more than just a now I lay me down to sleep prayer. There's times when I go to prayer that there's things that I have to wrestle down. There are things that I have to lay hold of and say, God, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I've got to have an answer. I've got to have an answer. In that garden, Jesus took hold of the cross. This is what I love about, this is what the Lord showed me today. In the garden, not at the cross, but in the garden, he took hold of the cross instead of the cross taking hold of him. Amen. He reached out and embraced the purpose of God and said, let's go. Amen. Let's go. Crosses are never easy to bear, but you can always bear them when you have a purpose in your heart that's been provided there by prayer. But if you have, if you have not had a garden experience, you can never bear your cross. So you better learn how to pray. You better learn the importance of prayer because prayer will empower you. Prayer will give you boldness. Prayer will give you courage. Prayer will give you confidence. Prayer will help you keep your sanity. Prayer will keep you from losing your mind. Prayer will keep you from thinking you're going crazy. Prayer will keep you going in the path that God has designed for you and not giving up and going back. Amen. When you begin... With surrender, you can leave with confidence. And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. When you lose yourself in him, you will find your strength to face and deal with anything. So I'm closing with this. Number one, 
I found from this particular setting of Scripture that I need to learn what Jesus learned, and that is you have to use the trouble. Don't let the trouble use you. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. My God. Hallelujah. You know what? If, that, if, if you could get that one principle down in your heart, it would make a world of difference in your tomorrow. Number two, gain from your trouble. Don't let it take from you. Gain something from your trouble. If I've got to go through it, I'm going to come out a better man than I was before I entered. Or it ain't worth going through, folks. And God never has brought me to something to not take me through it. And God's purpose in taking me through is that I might learn what he learned. The perfecting power of pain. Amen. Number three, you need to come out better for the trouble, not bitter because of your trouble. Amen. I don't know what all of you are facing. I do know some of you are facing some things that are just, they're, they're, they're too hard to understand. They're too hard to explain. I I'm not smart enough to know how to answer some things. All I know to do sometimes is just stand and pray and help you point yourself in the right direction. The fiercest winds that blow tear the limbs of the trees and cause them to topple. They cause boulders to roll down the mountainside. They cause the earth to move. They destroy so much. But the winds that destroy so much in life lift the eagle. The winds that blow so hard, instead of destroying that bird, they only empower it to soar higher. And the stronger the wind blows, the higher the eagle soars. Because he has learned how to respond to life's troubles. You can let it beat you down. You can let it demoralize you. You can let it do a number on your self-esteem. You can let it just knock the soup out of you where you're dragging around through life and you're lower than a, the belly of a snake. Or you can square your shoulders and say, you know what? God still has his hand on me. I am not lost to him. My problems are not lost to him my troubles are not something that he does not understand. So God, I want you to help me come out of this better, not bitter. Amen. Help me to come out of this a better man. Help me to learn how to stretch my wings and let it cause me to soar. Rather than pummel me to the ground and beat me down, life can blow you to pieces or it can lift you to new places. It all depends on how you respond to that wind. If you fight it, it'll destroy you. But if you work with it, it'll make you. Amen. He entered one way, but he left another. He squared his shoulders and he said, Arise, let us be going. 
I love that. <laughs> Praise God. I, I hope that echoes in your mind all night long. I hope every time you turn over in bed and your eyes open that you hear those words, Rise, let us be going. Rise. You get up tomorrow morning and there's a problem. Instead of you cowering back down, pulling the covers over your head or putting your hands on your ears and say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Get up out of bed and square your shoulders and say, Come on, Dave. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Bring it on. Whatever it is, God is with me. And if God is with me, who can be against me? Come on, let's stand together. I'm out. My God. How to face life's sorest test. It's found in a garden. It's found on your knees. It's found in a place of surrender. And when you pray and you surrender, you can make the best of it by letting it make the best of you. Amen. Arise. Get up. Come on, guys. Let's go. Praise God. Well, I guess so, Brother Hughes. If that's what you tell me. You know, sometimes the hardest thing to do in life is to pick yourself up. That's why you need a pastor in your life. Because you weren't made for the side of the road. You weren't made to become the discard, the wreckage of life. God made you for a divine purpose. He's got a plan for you. And I've made up my mind, if I can't do anything else... I'm going to be a friend to those who travel life's road. And I'm going to tell you what the Lord tells me and what he speaks to me in my troubled moments. And what he spoke to me was, Mark Hughes, arise and let's be going. Quit dragging around in the mully grubs and moping about things that you don't like. And it's not the way I want it. I know that. There's a lot of things about life I wish I could change right now. I wish I had that magic dust. I wish I had a wand I could just wave over some stuff and make it change. But you know what? It's, it's, it's not there. So I have to learn to live with what is. But I understand this. What is shall not always be. Amen. This too shall come to pass. And as sure as I stand here tonight, God has sent me for the divine purpose of telling somebody, get up, let's go. As they said on that fateful flight, 9-11, let's roll, guys. It's time to face whatever it is we've got to face. Let's go. You know what? The, the difference between that is your flight's not going down. It's going through. Calvary didn't destroy him. Calvary empowered him. And all that he bore on the cross and all of the shame, the only way he could have made it through was what happened to him in that garden in prayer. The empowerment and the confidence that came into him 
and the strength that bore him up, that caused him to look problems and troubles in the eye and say, come on, trouble. Amen. Amen. I'm ready. I'm ready. Amen. I don't know if you're ready for that tonight, but some, it's time for some of you to take control of what's happening in your life rather than it controlling you. And you know how you're going to do that? Get on your knees. Get on your face before God. And just stay there until an answer comes. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm not giving simplistic answers to complicated problems. I'm just saying there's times when you just have to wrestle that thing down. And then get up and go on. Amen. I shall live and not die. That's my motto. I'm not going to let life kill me. I'm not going to let my troubles do me in. I've seen too many train wrecks in life. I, I was talking to a friend of mine today. We were talking about one of our close friends from years past. He is a train wreck tonight. One time, such a powerfully used man of God, and tonight, probably sitting on a bar stool somewhere, drinking a Bud Light. And it all came down when he quit praying. And he had to face life. And there were things going on in life that he wasn't prepared for and he wasn't expecting. And next thing you know, he, his life is upside down. We've got to get back to the prayer room, folks. We've got to get back on our knees. And I promise you, if you will pray, God will empower you. Amen. Let's lift our hands and pray. Right now, God, help me. Help me to be able to speak a word in season. Help me, God, to be able to speak a word in season to the troubled heart, to those who are weary in well-doing. God, that somehow a word would come directly to their heart. Arise, 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 arise. Let us be going. Come on.